I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. Okay, today's episode is brought to you by patrons. I have two topics that people wrote in and wanted to talk about. One is talking about raising an only child and being a sensitive friend to people who might be raising an only child not by choice. And the second topic is devices and social media with our kids. And this may be for a lot of you who have, you know, just little guys, this may be for the future, <laughs> but uh, how and when to introduce different devices, phones and or social media. And of course, this is my opinion, not the definitive be all to end all. So let's jump in. Okay. So I'll read you the exact question and then we'll pull it apart regarding single kids. So this may be too personal, but I think it would be a really cool episode to hear from you on thoughts about raising an only child. They sure do get a bad rep and there are so many stereotypes. I know friends who are raising an only child by circumstance, secondary infertility, and ones who are by choice. I imagine both could use encouragement. And honestly, I'd be interested in this even though I have two kids. Sometimes I feel like sharing a story about my kids as a mom to two, their sibling bond, et cetera, can add to the hurt of a friend who would have loved a second child, but it wasn't in her cards. Wise words on being a sensitive friend would be great for those of us who have multiple kids. My friends to only children have talked about struggling at these younger ages with not having a built-in playmate at home. What has helped you? All right, this is kind of a cool topic. I, of course, am raising a single child and I want to differentiate because I feel like there's a lot in here about me also being a single mom. So we function in my house like a lot more like a democracy than I think most houses should run only because it's just me and Pascal. Yeah, and that contributes, I think, to a a fairness, but also I have to be a little more brutal. There's nobody to split the time. And when, of course, when he was little, I had to be a little more brutal about time, about neediness, about being his playmate, you know? And I also think though there, there's this level where he's not quite so precious. I think when you have two parents and one kid, there's a preciousness that comes about, right? Just naturally, because it's It's two loving, wise, emotionally mature, hopefully adults with one child. And so that's a lot. 
to be honest, I don't know what the bad reputation is. I recall when I was growing up a long time ago that only kids were really rare and they had a bad rep of being very spoiled. I remember that. In fact, my best friend in third grade, oh my God, I'll never forget. She had a canopy bed with ruffles and she had every doll. They had a built-in swimming pool. And, you know, I remember her, like whatever she wanted to eat, she was so spoiled and I loved going to her house. And it's really funny because just the other night I made, um, what did Pascal have? Oh, he had an egg and bagel sandwich and he likes bacon on it. And I was dying laughing and I showed him, I said, dude, I know you always wanted a sibling, but, and I opened the bagel sandwich and I said, as an only child, you get four slices of bacon. You would have never gotten that if you had siblings. <laughs> so I remember there always being a shortage of bacon when I was growing up, you know, on Sunday morning breakfast. So yeah, so I think by bad rep, that's what this person is referring to, right? Like this spoiled. Um, I, it seems to me that only children are not as rare these days, I think because of finances, right? What is it estimated? Like $300,000 to raise a kid? So finances often dictate it. And of course, we have a lot of infertility. In regards to being a sensitive friend, I feel like this can edge into codependency. I know for me, I had Pascal by choice. If you guys don't know my story, I got knocked up the old-fashioned way. (laughs) But, um, you know, I was 38. By the time... He, you know, I could be thinking about a sibling. I'll I'll be really honest with you. I was doing things like Match.com. I was dating and, but I was 40, 41. And so (laughs) I had to sort of bring up the idea of like, do you want kids early on in any sort of dating scenario? Because like my clock was ticking and I can absolutely 100% confirm for you guys that nobody wants to talk about having babies on the first or second date. discovered that very quickly. And it was so funny because I was, I mean, you guys know me. I was like, yeah, like, I just want to know, is it on the table? I'm like really up front, you know, but that went over like a lead balloon in most cases. So I kind of just made my peace with like, okay, one and done. And that's that. And I, I was not going to have two as a single mom. No way. No way was I going to be outnumbered like that. Me personally, it was by choice. Of course, I wasn't infertile. It wasn't a struggle. So I have never it's never bothered me. Now, people who suffer from infertility, and I can't speak for everybody, they carry their wounds for sure. And I don't think that anybody begrudges hearing about your kids and their sibling bond. You know, I know my friends and people close to me that have had fertility issues, they'll, they might be sad, but they that's their wound. And I think this edges into boundaries and codependency, right? And so if it's a very close friend, you can ask, you know, does it bother you when I talk about my kids and their sibling bond and let them tell you? But if it's just like moms at the playground, you kind of can't take care of everybody in that sense. I do think it's good to not gush. You know, if you are you with a friend who has one kid, there's no reason. I mean, there's so many topics under the sun. I don't feel like you need to go on and on and on about how great the sibling bond is. Yeah. So as far as being sensitive, I would say if the friend is a good friend, then ask, you know, and if it's not a good friend, I I think you can just navigate around it. And the other thing is, you know, if you're going to talk about how great their sibling bond is, you can also turn around and talk about how not great their sibling bickering is, you know, like there's so many pros and cons, I think, to both. Definitely with Pascal, he didn't have a playmate, but also I didn't have to fucking referee 
Lego knocking over and his shit, my shit. (laughs) And I have a sibling rivalry episode coming up, uh, coming up next, I believe. But yeah, so I think there's pros and cons. And I used to tell Pascal that all the time. He really wanted a sibling. He wanted a playmate. And I was like, yeah, but he was like super anal retentive about his Legos. And I was like, dude, a sibling's going to knock that shit right over. And regarding the bagel bacon sandwich the other day, he was like, yeah, I don't know why I wanted a sibling so bad. I want four pieces of bacon on my sandwich. (laughs) So he's definitely probably spoiled, but he's not spoiled in like, you can have anything you want. You guys know me. I'm not that mom. But of course, you know, we snowboard. We snowboard in the winter. That's an expensive sport. If I had two or three kids, I don't know that I'd be able to snowboard. Pascal and I like to travel. I don't know that we get so much travel in. You know, my best friend has four kids and they're limited. They have different experiences than we have just because, you know, four, what what does she say all the time to me? She said, times five, because I'll be like, oh, this sounds really fun. You want to do this? And she's like, well, times five. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, that's not, that's too expensive. Or, you know, we don't have room in the car, (laughs) those kinds of things. And as far as playmates, I just, I think, Pascal and I personally just found a groove. I he's he's a pretty quiet kid, so this might be different if you have like a really chatty kid. There are definitely things like that you need a playmate for. If you want to play catch, you need somebody to play catch with. If you want to play chess, you need somebody to play chess with. So we would just eke out that time. You know what I mean? I was very firm with him very early on. I need my time. You go play. So he did independent play probably sooner than most kids because... I just, I had to have that time. He's also a very quiet kid though. And so that worked out really well for me because he could play with his trains for hours and hours by himself. And we have always been able to be in the car together without speaking. We could drive, you know, four or five hours without any noise, without the radio on, or he's a pensive kind of kid. So I can't speak to everyone, but I do think single kids tend to be needier in that front because again, they don't have the playmate and they don't have that built-in that built in somebody's always around. Um, yeah. So beyond that, I enjoy raising an only child, but again, I don't have help and I don't mind, you know, I'm not begrudging that. I'm not saying that with any sort of rancor, but I just, it's really not in the cards for me to have another, you know what I mean? And that feels, that feels right. So I do think that there's an issue I know, you know, when we speak to infertility, I work with so many families on trying to edge off what I call the princess syndrome. And the princess syndrome can be, you know, male or female. Actually, um, Pascal's in a princess zone right now. I call him. (laughs) He's in a he's in the zone of like wanting everything to be just so, you know, it's just a stage, I think, of teenagehood. But, you know, this happens with kids who have injuries or medical issues or you know, I know some families I've worked with have tried and tried and tried, had many, many miscarriages and finally got their angel baby. And so you, in those cases, you know, you really have to check yourself to not make everything super precious. I had worked with a family once who their daughter had some sort of brain. I can't remember what had happened, but she had had 24 surgeries on her brain by the time she was three. And she was pretty much a, a ticking time bomb. They just kind of had no idea how long this child was going to live they had no idea what could trigger the injury. It was really hard because you also want to give the kid a normal childhood, right? And a normal childhood means, you know, consequences for your actions, saying no, you can't have everything you want. I'm not going to give into your tantrum. So it's really kind of tricky 
to work your way around that. And, and the princess syndrome are t- becoming too precious, you know? And so sometimes I work with families on, on that. And it's, I think it's just a constant reminder of like, thank you universe for this baby. Thank you, God, whoever, you know, whatever force you believe in, thank you for this baby. And, you know, let me provide a normal childhood. And sometimes you do have to manufacture, like for Pascal, I know I manufacture the nose. There's no reason. A lot of times when he's asking me for something, there's no reason I can afford it. Um, He's been pretty great. Uh, There's no behavioral things, you know, and I just, I have to make up the no, just so he knows you don't get everything you want. Or people are often shocked. I make him I make him pay for a lot. He saves his money and, you know, he's really into drums and he keeps wanting cymbals and the money for drums is in the cymbals. And I'm like, dude, you're on your own. Like, I can't provide you for everything because I'm really invested in raising a kid who's not spoiled, who doesn't think everything's at, you know, their fingertips. I I will say this too. One of the things that as he's gotten older, one of the things that kind of sucks about having a single kid is when you do find families you resonate with, You can almost get stuck. I've been stuck over the years in some relationships that I don't love the mom and me and the mom might be struggling, but Pascal really resonates with the kid. And I have a hard time with that, especially when they're little. Like if I don't, if there's something about the family that I don't love, I have a hard time like just dropping him off. You know what I mean? Like if I don't fully... And it's not like I'm over controlling, but if I don't fully vibe with their philosophy, it's like, do I want to leave my kid in their care? Like, for example, if I know a parent spanks their kid, I'm going to be a little gun shy about leaving my kid in their care. Because what do you do when my kid misbehaves, you know? So that's just an example. But um, I definitely, you know, there's these ages where you can't just drop off your kid, like like you guys with toddlers. And so you kind of have to sit there and have a relationship with the mom. And so I found myself a little trapped sometimes because he really resonated with the kids. And I had to kind of stay in the relationship because it was so good for him. And so that part I didn't love. And I advise moms now is like, don't get, like, if you don't vibe with the mom, just keep it really surface. Don't try to be friends with another parent that you're not really vibing with because you'll get yourself kind of stuck. And so I don't know. That's one of the negatives for me. I feel like I've been more at other people's, what do I want to say? Mercy is kind of a a strong word, but like, I'm pretty great with my boundaries and I'm pretty great with like how I want to spend my time and energy. And that has not sat well with me sometimes of like, oh, a friendship might feel like it's kind of over, but Pascal's still friends with the kids. And it's easier now that he's a teen because I can literally drop him off. He gets his own relationships and that's really cool because he's got all these friendships that I'm not friends with the parents. And I love that. And now, of course, he can be an advocate for himself and um, he can call me if something's wrong. So, <laughs> you know, it's a whole different ballgame as they get older. But that I would say that would be my biggest negative in, in being having a single kid is sort of being at everybody else's mercy as far as interactions. But what's great, like I just said, is Pascal can call me now. So let's just segue into the next question, which is when do you introduce social media? How do you do that? And what age do you recommend a phone? So devices, screen time, social media, it really, 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 it just depends on your kid. It depends on the kid you have, and you really have to clue into this This is where connection, keeping that connection with your kids is so vital because you kind of have to know what kid you have. 
Pascal's age like straddles so much. There was the iPad was invented when he was a kid. That's weird to think about, right? Like the iPad was new. So tablets and all of that. So he sort of straddles this technological time. I used to mock the idea that screen time could be addictive. I have always thought that's, I, and I still maintain that screen time is not the, the evil end of the world, but I have done enough work in my own community, my personal life, and certainly in my professional life to know now that I was wrong and that absolutely there can be an addiction. Some kids just don't do well with it. And some kids do. I always kind of use a gauge of like, how fast can your kid uncouple from the device, right? So like for me, Pascal, oh, if I said, dude, you want to go throw a ball in the driveway? Boom, he'd log off. He would prefer real life interaction 100% of the time, always has, and will log off with no problem. Even to this day, he, he plays multiplayer with his friends. They're on for hours at night. But if I asked him to get off, he'd be like, yep, Ma, give me five minutes to finish my game and I'll be right off and I'll help you out. So I have personally never had that problem. I work with so many families though, who, you know, the child, it's impossible to get them off. They become zombies. Their behavior afterwards is super duper cranky. So I know now that it's just, it's so individual. It's just really about your kid, but you have to make that call and you have to lock into that. And that's about connection and knowing your kid. This is especially true. You know, right now you guys are probably just dealing with tablet use, television, um, coming off of COVID. Jesus Christ, the amount of screen time the kids got and kind of dealing with that as we get back to real life. But that's sort of a different, now we're kind of talking the next bunch of parenting, right? So remember how much I love zero to six is govern, six to 12 is garden, and 12 to 18 is guide. So in that six to 12 range, you're gardening. And so now we're looking at, does my kid get a phone? Does my kid get social media? And again, for a lot of you, this might be thinking ahead, but I know so many people that I work with have older kids as well. So definitely here's, it's knowing your kid. I think gender plays a huge role. I think girls at this age, that tween age, that six to 12, I think girls in general are so much more susceptible to societal pressure, to looks, to fashion, to being liked, to being popular. I think they're just way more susceptible. So I think gender plays into this. Boys still can be very susceptible, but I think I've seen more boys just able to be like, I don't care. Who cares? They don't, you know, they post things on Instagram because they love it. They're shaping their identity through their Instagram account, but it really doesn't matter. They're, they don't care about the likes. They The likes don't give them that dopamine hit. They're not Photoshopping their smile. They're not in an app whitening their teeth. These are all real things. It's really hard in this day and age to not have a phone. So if your kid doesn't have a phone, you know, there's logistics, there's pickup, there's, you know, can they call you? I think just in this day and age, there is an expectation of having a phone. Some parents like to track. I am not a tracker. I don't like that. Um, but Pascal had a phone when he was nine because he loved to stay home alone. Um, I don't know. I think I've said this story. He stood up before the Senate Judiciary Committee and killed a bill about an age requirement for staying home alone when he was nine years old. So, and of course I wouldn't go, you know, to Mexico or anything, 
I would go to CVS or go to the gym for a half hour. But he, I don't have a landline, so he needed a phone. Uh, He got a phone earlier than most, but he didn't, he wasn't interested in social media. He was interested in like Minecraft and games, but it wasn't a problem. And it wasn't a problem for him, but for your child, it might be a problem. They might need a phone for logistics. There's so many options now for a child to have a phone that doesn't have Wi-Fi, that doesn't have the bells and whistles that they can't get really addicted to. So I would say that if it's a necessity in your child's life, they I haven't even looked into it, but I just know there's a range of devices that you can get. Now, introducing social media, I think, is just very different. And every parent approaches it differently. I had a friend who was super strict with his daughter, super strict, but she was allowed Snapchat. And Snapchat to me is one of the nastier ones because you can put something on and it disappears very quickly. Instagram has stories, but they are archived. So you can go in and sort of see what was done. Snapchat, it seems to be that kids get into a lot of trouble with the Snapchat. For me personally, I don't do parental controls. I think our kids are super suffering from being over-monitored, and I think it's affecting them. One thing that's currently driving me a little crazy is when I work with a family who has a video monitor, they're watching their child and they're giving directives over the voice. So you're not in the room and you're telling your child, go back to bed. I feel like that's setting up a culture of getting used to being super watched and monitored. I don't like it. I might be a neophyte, I might be (laughs) old guard, but I believe our children are entitled to some privacy and I feel like we need to trust our kids until they're not trustworthy and then we pull in the reins. That is my personal belief. I understand parents have a different belief system. I also understand that this is highly individual. Children, by the time they're getting a phone and social media, you should have a handle on the type of kid you have. Do you have a kid who's going to look for trouble anywhere they go? Do you have a rebellious kid who's just going to do the opposite? Do you have a kid who is so super sensitive to being liked that they will jump into any virtual car with any virtual person because that's who they are? Do they have terrible boundaries? These are the things that you need to think about before getting social media. I like Instagram. I think it's easy. I think there's a lot of, um, there's not as much vitriol in the comments. So most of the kids don't want Facebook anyway. Facebook is for old people. So it's more like TikTok, Snapchat, uh, Instagram. Those are the ones I know. I'm sure there's hundreds by now. You know, you want to keep an eye on your account. So of course I'm friends with Pascal. I'm friends with his friends. So I see the shit they're putting online. I see, I see who comments on what. And so without actively going into his account and spying, I keep a loose eye. One thing that has amazed me personally about Pascal is he is a, um, what is he? A personality type. He's a peacekeeper. So I have seen this kid de-escalate people's Instagram in minutes and de-escalate his own Instagram. And it, it of course makes me very, very proud, but it makes him trustworthy, right? Cause I know he's not in there stirring shit, He's in there like deflecting, um, I mean, de-escalating shit. And so for him, that makes him more trustworthy for me. If your kid's in there stirring the pot, dropping word bombs, you know, that's the conversation. So I think with social media comes these huge conversations about what it means to be behind a name on social media. A lot of times with kids, it's a username, right? It's not even close to their real name. So there's that anonymous feeling that you can say or do anything 
I do occasionally go into Pascal's private messages, his DMs. He gets a lot of would-be porn scam. He gets a lot of like really busty women, you know, like, hey, I don't know, Russian bots. I don't know what they are, but he's hilarious because he, you know, is like, Ma, I know it's a scam. Like, I can see he doesn't reply or anything like that. So, you know, I don't know. He's 14. Maybe by next year, he'll be replying to see more busty women, but it's going to be a conversation, you know, we're having, of course, at his age, we're already having conversations about porn and, and drugs and sex and all that stuff anyway. But, you know, I imagine you guys are talking more about nine or 10 year olds. Not to discount that boys, you know, you should just let boys run rampant on the internet, but girls are super susceptible. Girl accounts are super susceptible. So I do think, I don't know about parental controls. I don't know what's available uh, for Instagram or anything like that, but you have to just, you have to know your kid. One of Pascal's great friends recently got into it. There was a guy, uh, you know, gave her, it was just typical, gave her all the flowery, you're so amazing. Can we meet? These kinds of things. And it turned out, you know, the mom uh, talked to me and she was like, oh my God, you know, we had to shut it down and blah, 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 blah. And the mom was horrified. But then it turns out that this, this young woman had been talking to her friends. And so we had to have this big conversation, uh, you know, me with Pascal of like, hey, dude, if you're a red flag, if the hair on your neck goes up, because Pascal was like, I, I thought it was suspicious, mom. It was just like, this guy was too nice. He sounded too old and I was suspicious, but she was so happy. And I was like, you, you, you know, having a real conversation with your kids about how to report, how to report their friends and making it a culture of safety that like, you can't be knee jerk reaction. You know, what's going to happen if your kid comes to you and says, look, my friend's in trouble with this guy on the internet. How are you going to handle it? I think you have to have conversations with your kids, friends, parents, and be like, look, I'm the mom. I'm going to tell you if I see your kid doing something shady online, I'm going to tell you, but you have to do the same for me. So we have to, we have to create this solidarity we're in a culture right now where people have knee-jerk reactions like, oh, I saw your kid doing this online. And people are like, what the fuck? Blah, blah, blah. They get all upset with you. But we have to create that culture within ourselves of, of, I know when Pascal was like, I don't know, six or seven, one of his friend's dads called me up to say, I just want to let you know, Pascal's cursing in Minecraft in the chat. He had said something like ass or something. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for telling me. So we had to talk about that, like cursing in chat and that other moms are reading that and you're presenting you know, I don't care if Pascal swears, but I was like, you have to know when you're texting somebody, DMing somebody in any sort of chat that other parents often are reading that. And there's an, they're going to have an opinion about you. If you're a young man who's dropping the F-bomb, I'm a grown woman. I can drop the F-bomb on my podcast anyway. You're a young man and you're forming people's impressions of you. So, you know, there's all these dialogues. So it's, I think it's less about age and definitive things is like, oh, you can get elect Instagram when you're 11. I don't think it's like that. I think it's really knowing your kid and knowing where their pitfalls are and knowing where their strengths are and having a real life conversation. In these instances, I don't think the answer is no phone. I don't think the answer is no social media. I think that creates, it creates a longing and a wanting that sets up obsessive behavior later, right? If your kid's the last one to get the phone, and of course, somebody's got to be the last kid to get the phone and the last kid to get Instagram, they're going to be obsessive about it. Yeah. And so I feel like it's far better to introduce it early and moderate it as you go and add things in slowly. Same thing as like, you know, you guys have listened to my podcast on talking about the hard things. It's not like you know, a three-year-old can know that humans mate and have sex without all the details, right? Like you can eke out this information sort of slowly and same. That's how I feel about social media. 
Again, this is my opinion. I know there's tons of expert opinions that say the polar opposite. I know there's a whole movement of like, I think it's like, wait till eight, wait till eighth grade for a phone. Great if that works for you. But what, as always, don't look for somebody to direct you on this. Connect with your kid and be honest. Try to see your kid through a lens. Try to see what they are drawn to. Are they super into popularity? Do they want to Photoshop? Do they hate, are they saying disparaging things about their body? Because social media is going to amplify any of these issues, right? So I think it's connecting with your kid early on and knowing. I feel like parents, one of our faults here is where, and this is, and we're going to discuss this in the next episode too, is we're lagging behind. We're infantilizing our kids and our kids are way beyond you know, eight-year-olds are on diets. Eight-year-olds are talking about kissing, about sex. Like, you don't want this information coming to them from a DM on Instagram. This stuff has to come from you. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like this, knowing where your kid is really at and being realistic with social media, with who they are, right? And and again, like, it was kind of, it was so interesting to me to see Pascal, especially as an only child, that he's such a peacekeeper. Like to me, that's a big, that's a middle child or like a family, a bigger family dynamic, right? The, the idea that he goes in and deescalates all these people. He's so, he's really good. Like at this age, the girls are so dramatic and he's so good. He, he FaceTime with all these girls at night. He's like, okay, calm down. I know you're having a hard time with your mom, but maybe she had a really hard day. Why don't you do something nice for her? Like I hear him telling this to his girlfriends and I, you know, his friends who are girls, he doesn't have a girlfriend per se. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like, who is this kid? So that was information for me that made him more trustworthy. Thus far, he hasn't done anything sketchy that makes me think he's untrustworthy. So, you know, I insist though that his phone always have a password that I know and I can get into. I look up his history. So I think, you know, I think it's using some common sense without being crazy. I think also it's really about your bond and your connection with your kid and keeping these communication channels open. I think that's the real big key. Don't get your kid a phone, give them an Instagram account, and then at midnight, go look up every horrific story of what happens to kids online. Yes, there is some horrific stuff that happens to kids online, but don't drench yourself in those stories. There are also really good stories. There's amazing stories out there. Drench yourself in the good stuff too, so that you temper your own anxiety. If you only look at the horror you're going to be a crazy parent and it's going to affect your relationship with your kid and it's going to suck. So just don't do that. (laughs) All right, you guys, if you have any questions of this episode, feel free to ask them on Patreon. I adore what's happening on Patreon. I adore that you guys are writing in, asking for suggestions on episodes, asking questions You know, if you're signed up for the dollar a month, feel free to ask questions. I don't answer them on Patreon, but I will certainly incorporate them into podcast episodes. And it's so amazing to me to create this content with you guys and be able to hit the topics that are truly interesting you and not just, you know, what I'm pulling out of my ass for that day. (laughs) All right, guys, rock on. Have an awesome day. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book pre-sale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. 
And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.